Stand by. The vacuum tubes are warming up. This is a special live broadcast right here on Georgia Radio. Well, good evening, everybody. This is Wade Peebles here with Matt Jolly on GeorgiaRadio.com. Good evening. A great institution on your list. Yes, a fine old Southern institution. We should all be institutionalized, maybe. Yes, GeorgiaRadio.com, a great fine old Southern institution (laughs) for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something like that. Folks. Something for a long, long time, y'all. Uh. We've been here, and we're gonna be here a long, long time to come. But anyway, you're listening to the Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio Show, and uh, which was uh, it, it brought to you by Meeks Brothers Cattle Company. Uh, talking about yeah. a great institution. Now that is a great southern institution. Just some fantastic meat, and uh, I'll uh, tell you what. If you if you get it now, now's the time to get it because they're taking orders for the fall. And uh, they they got those calves out there, and the big ones, they're ready to fatten them up. What on earth did you just do? Well, I, I've got a camera here. I, and threw, I threw a duck for a Conway duck? to go get because he was chewing on my hand. That's the one you picked up. Not a real the... duck. It's a stuffed duck. Oh. Well, what happened duck. to the one you picked up at the Hunan Palace earlier today? Did you already eat we that ate, one? Ate that. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. That was terrible. Who do you have on the show today, by the way? Wait, listen, we have... We, we, you know, I, it seems like every show we said this is going to be great because I've been wanting to get the, this young man right here is one of the most impressive, and he's listening, and I'm talking about him, and he's his face is turning red even now because he's he's not boisterous or or boastful, but this young man uh, has impressed me for a long time, and and uh, he, he with he, just his mind and what he's interested in and what he does and what he's accomplished at such a young age. It's Chris Adams, sometimes known as the Turtle Man, on Facebook is CB Adams now, and Chris Adams of West Green, originally from West Green, Georgia. Hey, Chris. How y'all doing this evening? Yeah, we're we doing are great. fine. Now, you have a great deal of interest in in um, pioneering uh, Cracker Country, uh, North Florida, South Georgia, the the era that uh, where where the where the this part of our uh, region was uh, settled and developed. You you love have a great love for the the Okefenokee Swamp, for the for nature, our trees, our flora, our fauna, uh, our history. Uh, and you are working to uh, preserve some of those plants and some of those critters and that um, have almost faded away. So I'm, I, you, you have been uh, done many things, and, and so I want you to tell us kind of a brief overview of, of your work history, your, your accomplishments that you're most proud of, and what you're doing now. So I'm going to give it to you. I'll interrupt you. Don't think I won't. Please you know, do. <laughs> when I think of something, when it hits my old brain, and I just have to come out with it. I but talk to us, Chris. Tell us about tell Chris. Us, that. Tell us about the the wiregrass and, uh, and what is it called again? The wiregrass ecological and cultural project. I wiregrass ecological go. and cultural project. Yeah, I love wiregrass. You know, that's pretty much what my whole existence has been about. Is if I had to sum it up in few words the wiregrass waves my family's been down here in this part of georgia for a little over 200 years off the satilla river uh we live there not quite on the upper satilla but right around the middle section over near uh the community of satilla near douglas georgia 
And, you know, growing up, my, my upbringing was a little bit different than most folks my age, which I'm only 25, which young by some standards, but I tell you, some days I feel older than myself. Half the time, I don't even know how old I am. But I, I have spent my life trying to understand my forebears, where I came from, and to really understand who you are, you got to understand where you come from. And something else that kind of goes hand in hand with that is when you talk about the land, you can't talk about the land without talking about the people that live there. And you can't talk about the people that live there without talking about the land. And my passion for natural resources, for what we have here, and for the cultural identity of of my people, you know, I think it shows in my work, at least I hope it shows. And what I've been doing as of late is trying to cultivate some of the old crop plants that most folks have never heard of one in particular, which we've spoken on before called gopher rice. And this year uh, it was kind of a milestone for me because putting it in the ground, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, farmer has to be one of the biggest optimists out there because when they put that seed in the ground, mother nature is against them sometimes, sometimes she'll help, but it's mainly just praying and hoping that seed comes up. And Chris, let's rewind here real quick. Uh, you you were able to to get a few of these gopher rice seeds um, from the I guess from from one of these these seed stores that we always hear about, and I don't well, mean like a retail story, story like a itself. a seed bank. I guess is a better way to put it. Seed bank, yeah. So I I went on this wild goose chase when I found out about it. Uh, my buddy Andrew he. It gets red in the face when I say the reason I'm doing this is because of him, but it really is. My buddy Andrew Bellicomo, and he won't mind me telling his name out there, he is just as passionate about some of the things that I am. And we were deep in conversation one day, and we got to talking about upland rice that was grown here in the wiregrass south. And when folks think rice, they think low country. Uh, but there was a type of hill rice, an upland rice that was widely cultivated here, uh, mostly by a lot of your lower-class, middle-class people. And one of these strains was called gopher rice, and, and another name for it is guinea rice. That traces it back to its origins in Africa. It probably came to the south through the Caribbean, and by the 1870s, it was being grown here. Well, it was grown continually until about World War One. Then that market fell out, and, you know, rice was pretty much non-existent. So when I found out about gopher rice, I went tracking down Facebook posts. I contacted David Shields, who has written quite a few books and articles on Old South foodways and culture, and it led me to talking with Sarah Ross, who's with the University of Georgia and the Wormslow Institute near Savannah. She obliged in kindly giving me some of the seed, and this brings us to the present, putting it in the ground, growing it, and now we're getting seed heads. We've not harvested it yet, and it's only a small patch. But that small patch makes the first time in at least a century and a quarter that it has been grown here. So big milestone for me this year, and I'm quite proud of that success. Chris, 
Uh, that yeah. it's funny that you know you mentioned the, the upland rice, and most people are unaware. Uh, There's many things like most people don't realize how many sheep used to be raised around here, and people, you know, use wool and all. But but they, rice wasn't brought from the you know Louisiana or even overseas. And and there was a lot of rice growing. And I did. I just this week, Faith Stapleton Burnett is a great friend of mine, and, and she sends me. She ferrets out these uh, old newspaper articles about Georgia from the 1800s, and she sent me one. And I'm going to forward it to you. It was about uh, in the. It was written published in the eight, late 1800s. Uh, and a, a Ohio young Ohio farmer had saved some money, wanted to to leave to, for warmer climes and move to Georgia by a farm. And he had written his editor of the paper asking him about the farming conditions in Georgia, the outlook. And that editor gathered up some uh, people in Georgia over, the, say, 10 or 20 years that had uh, grown great crops to show examples. And one of them was rice, and I think it was in Greene County. I'm not sure. And and, and there was a, a farmer had uh, grown 119 bushels of Indian corn in Georgia. And this was in the 1800s. I didn't realize people grew over 100 bushels, to, uh, you know, to the acre until I was, uh, you know, back. I figured it was just in recent decades. But anyway, I'll send that to you, but I thought about you when I saw that, and I said, we ordinarily don't even think of rice. We think of rice grown down, you know, in Chatham and and the coastal counties, you know, uh, 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 but not not up here. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it was widely cultivated, and there were many different strains of it too. I guess the, the whole gopher rice thing appealed to me. It kind of, in my mind, I equated gopher with sandy, you know, or gopher tortoise. Right. Tortoise. And what's good about this rice is that it was typically grown utilizing nothing but average rainfall. There was no way to irrigate this. It was grown like corn was back then. You hope that you got good rain. Well, I've got a and question on this it with a, with, a, with a cradle, I would imagine, by hand, right? Yeah, they harvested it by hand. From what few accounts that I have read around the Okefenokee region, uh, there were usually rice cutters. They had a specific guy in a village or hamlet somewhere who was good at it, and that's who came around and harvested it. Chris, what's the nutritional value of this stuff? Do we know? I mean, is it a white rice, or is it a darker rice, or what What do we know about it? it? It's a darker rice. I mean, it. I haven't shelled it yet. I mean, we'll learn more about it firsthand when I get to harvesting it. And to do that, I have to wait for most of the plants, about 80, 85% of them, to start turning straw yellow. And when they turn to straw consistency, that's when I can start cutting them down and we can really start harvesting some of those seed heads and then get my hooks off. Yeah, I, I, I'm really interested in this because, uh, you know, where our place is up near Carrollton, uh, I would love to be able to grow something like that. And I just know, I you know, uh, from a food source, uh, the darker the rice, the more fiber that's in it and the better it is for you. You know, it's not just a... A filler food. I was curious about that because it must well, have been healthy for those I, folks to eat back I, then. I would say, uh, Chris and, and Matt, you know yourself, Chris, that most of the crops grown today bear little resemblance to the crops grown 100, 120 years ago in that era you're speaking of. Uh, they weren't hybrids. They weren't, you didn't have the uh, modern dent corns. You didn't have. So I can see that, um, and the nutrition value and flavor was much uh, greater. Uh, they they weren't as large and and showy, but uh, now I want to move on to other th- other thing, Chris. Hogs and cows. You have a great interest in the old, what we always call old scrub cows, and uh, and the, the you've got some. Uh, tell us about your hogs you've got now. So 
right now I'm raising Austin hogs and Austin hogs. Yeah, there there is some dispute about the uh, validity of the purity of these hogs on Austin Island, but I think the individuals that were taken off the island back in the 80s, DNA testing was done, and they match or nearly match the swine that were originally brought by Spanish missionaries and some of the conquistadors to the New World, and they're not directly Spanish pigs. They actually were taken from the Canary Islands. So by origin, original origin, they came from Spain, but Spain ruled, the, Spain ruled the Canary Islands, so it was basically colonial Spain, right? Basically colonial Spanish, yeah. And that's what most of these livestock in the southeast are in themselves, are colonial Spanish livestock. But these Osceballs, you know, Georgia has a law you can't transport live feral hogs. Technically, the hogs on Osceball Island are feral uh, and considered such. Back in the 80s, though, I believe it was the University of Missouri, if I'm not mistaken, that got some of the individuals off the island under permit, and they started doing some testing and breeding on them. And then they ended up in places like uh, George Washington's home place, you know, Mount Vernon, at these living history museums. So I was fortunate to get a couple of these out of the University of Georgia. The lady over there raises them. And that's my goal right now is keep raising the original piney wood rooter hog. Uh, well, hog right. That's right. Oh, um, and Bob, somebody went back and said, I didn't understand that, that hogs root for food. And if they, it's, you know, they didn't feed the hogs back then. It was root hog or die. In other words, that hog had to go out and find something to eat or he'd die because they sure wasn't feeding him much. You know, they didn't, they would feed them enough to keep them coming home on a regular basis, you know, but, but hogs ran free. Cows did too. Now talk about the, uh, wait a minute. We need to, we need to do a break. We, we have halfway through the show aren't we i'm just i'm just enamored i'm still thinking about this rice yeah let's let's do one yeah chris (laughs) we'll come back in just a minute we're going we're going to do the mid-show break a little late right now here we go hi this is wade peoples from georgia folk and farm life radio i'm here to tell you about meeks brothers cattle company and you don't have to worry about supply chain issues or where your beef comes from do what i do and call meeks brothers cattle company today you can get a whole half a quarter any amount of beef you want good quality beef vacuum pack lasts up to three years in your freezer it's grass-fed grain finished made to order visit meeks brothers cattle company on facebook today and tell them brother wade sent you and that's meeks brothers cattle company thank you Georgia Radio. Everywhere you go. Okay, you uh, back with us here on Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio here on GeorgiaRadio.com. Brought to you by Meeks Brothers Cattle Company. And tonight on the, the show, we've, I'm so happy to have Chris Adams on. And Chris is just a font of of information and uh, a, a renaissance man he does reenactments he does he knows history he knows plants and animals and and it just absorbs our culture from pioneering times on up to you know recent time but he has a great love for the old things and the old ways and for a young man his i i tell you what by the time he's old uh i don't know uh, if if uh, it can contain all of what he, he's going to experience and his and his knowledge, I hope. Well, that and he's you, well adjusted too. I, he is. He's he, well. He, he's not living in his in his mother's basement doing nope. all this stuff. He Chris has Chris has a a young lady that he's 
I think he's pretty smitten with too, which, and, which speaks and, and a lot I bet you, about yeah, him. And, and I bet you she has to, if she's going to be Chris's woman or whatever we want to, uh, we're, 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 we're terming and giving you classifications, you know, Chris, with, without your permission, but we're going to, we're going to just uh, jump right in and do it. But I bet you she has to have a love for the things you have a love for in order to uh, you know, stay right there with you. She puts up with a good bit of my, my troublemaking, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's great. And I, I, I'm so, I'm so happy to, to have your acquaintance here because it, it, it really is excellent work that you're doing and it's work that well, we all need to be interested in. Well, uh, Chris, um, uh, the what you you you, you kind of go through. I won't say phases, but and in, in which is a must. If you're going to do what you do, you have to take it in, in in steps and phases. And for a while, you need to you have to concentrate on this and then move on to something else. And and then all of it gets uh, brought in, incorporated into what you are and what you do. But the the old scrub cows, the old cracker cattle, uh, talk to us about those. I know you've had a great fascination with those cattle for a long time. You know, I, I think I was probably about fourteen or fifteen when I really started getting into the hair breeds and trying to assemble a collection, if you will, of, of these original livestock that my ancestors would have had and would have seen on a daily basis. I think my interest in living history and reenactment, you know, we, we do that to try and get a glimpse of what the past was like to experience it uh, to an extent and to share that with others. So by raising heritage breeds, that encompasses all these things for me. And I had the privilege uh, last year of working on a place over in West Georgia where a family raises some of the last remaining tiny woods cattle uh, from Georgia, the last bloodline from Georgia. And these bloodlines exist because individuals 100 years ago, 50 years ago, saw the need to preserve these things as improved, in quotations, cattle were coming onto the market, these Angus and uh, Bremer cattle and Herefords but they saw the need to keep these old herds to pass them on. And the whole line of cattle is that very thing for the state of Georgia. Uh, these cattle are the last remnant of the old wood cows. And when I say wood cows, I mean, if you had a time machine and went back literally a century ago, anywhere in South Georgia, you would have seen them. And they would have been called rake straws, tiny woods, wood cows, scrub cows, yeller hammers. They had all different names for them. But I've also talked with some of the last individuals, I guess, who have witnessed the last of the woods cows or the swamp cows on the Okmulgee and the Oconee Rivers and the Satilla River and Okefenokee. So it is a real privilege for me to get to work with these animals hands-on, days at a time, and that gave me some, some more knowledge. And one day I hope to have a herd of my own, but... At the moment, I'm focusing really on the little things, what I can do in between my work, my studies. So that's what's led me to Spanish goats and Gulf Coast sheep and awesome ball hogs and all the poultry I'm getting into. Where do you do this at, Chris? Basically located out of West Range. Yeah. Now, 
I'm like a pinball machine all over South Georgia. Y'all can tell from my Facebook post. But my my home turf is Western Georgia. And you have some land down there that you could experiment on. Me and my grandfather, we kind of tag team on this stuff. When I'm away, he helps take care of it. And then, of course, when I'm home, I kind of play my part in it. But my grandfather has been really the biggest influence and the biggest asset, a valuable asset in my life because had it not been for him very early on, I don't think I would have taken up the torch like I have. Well, Chris, uh, that's 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 admirable. I can you talking about the count. I can remember when I was a boy and I spent my summers down on the Octawaha River in Marion County, Florida, with my kinfolk down there. They were still working the old scrub cows, and they had Brahmers too. In fact, they would have you know by then were mingling and mixing them. And uh, but um, I remember still my great uncles and cousins working the cows on horseback on that on the river swamp down in there, the way they used to, you know. And and uh, it's that's all gone now, and uh, you know, Chris, if I had, <laughs> I wish we could start. A, it would take a lot of money, but I wish I could be a part of uh, maybe starting a, a way to to raise funding from various sources to get you a homestead where you know where you had a dog trot house. Maybe you built yourself and built your outbuilding your barns and and you had your few cows and your hogs and your chickens and your your crops old uh, you know crops growing and you know a demonstration place and I don't mean something phony and fake. I mean something real that you could almost live on. Now you wouldn't want to literally live there and the, you know they don't think you could live with an open well in the outhouse nowadays but but have all that nearby where you close by where you you know, could could uh, live it and show it, demonstrate it. That would be great, wouldn't it? Well, see, that that's my end goal right there. If I had to pick an end goal, that is it. I want something the equivalent of a Foxfire Learning Center right, but that's in right. South Georgia. And uh, that that's really what prompted the whole wiregrass project of mine. Well, Chris, is, why don't we... Why don't we work together and get what? There's money out there. There's people that. Well, what that about that home that's right there in the woods behind your house? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a whole city park over there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kind of stuff over there they could use. Well, let's, let's work. You know, not, it, it ain't going to happen in a day. We're on what building a day, as they say, Chris. But let's, uh, there are some coalition. I think there's some people that would get behind somebody like you. I don't mean somebody. I mean get behind you. Let me phrase that way. We get behind you and your work, and uh, and 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 help fund it. And I say in the next few years, let's work towards that. Let's let's do that. And and there's there are institutions. There's there's money to be had. And I know you don't want you would take grant money, but not something with strings attached. You go. I would want to see you do this your way when nobody. Yeah over your shoulder telling you how to do it. But I'd love to be a part of trying to get it, to get that established. So you don't have to go here and there. You can stay right there and, and, and live your dream. Need you an education a, foundation. That's a dang good dream right there, Chris. Sure that's is. A dang good one. I have one question about these pigs, because I know Wade's going to ask right. it. Do you, uh, do you fork these pigs regularly, Chris? Are they, are they pigs that enjoy a, a good back rub. Chris, my they do enjoy a good is. treat every night. Again, <laughs> they get all the slops from the house, so they eat better than most pigs do. 
Uh-huh. But I, they're not quite keen on the whole belly rubs and ear scratches. It's yeah. more of I enjoy watching them and keeping them around just for sake we of had, We had Dawn Baker on the piglet rescue lady, and she threw that out at us about yeah. forking the pigs and what she and her husband take a fork and scratch their bellies. And I lost it. That's the funniest thing I ever heard. Pig forking. <laughs> Pig forking. I've never seen Wade laugh so hard. That was the funniest thing. My face yeah. was red, and boy, did we laugh about that. So, she said, yeah. that's the only time you're going to get a fork near one of my pigs. <laughs> only on this radio station would you hear about forking pigs and throwing ducks all in the same yeah. conversation. And, and gopher rice, too. I mean, hey, and gopher rice. That's great. Oh, you know, that reminds me. That sounded like gopher rides. And did you know, Matt, that people used to put little children on the backs of big gophers, go, tortoises, and let them ride on the back of gophers? <laughs> well, that my mama me. rode a gopher when she was a little girl chris you familiar with that aren't you you've heard many oh, old I'm people familiar. talk about when they, uh, when they were little they rode on the go back of a gopher there's a picture that comes to mind that francis harper took in the okie pinocchie back in the 20s or 30s it's a little girl on the back of a gopher tortoise standing upright i hadn't seen that but i'll like, google it yeah i'll wow. send it your way thank well, you very been, much that's been great having you on chris and uh, yeah just uh, a lot of fun. I, I cannot wait to see that gopher rice. I wonder if it would grow uh, up there in Carrollton on our place. I'm sure it will. If it grows down here with my minimal effort uh, of other than trying to water it and keep it alive, it will grow anywhere. Oh, Chris, we're almost out of time, but I have to mention, y'all, I called Chris. I thought I had rediscovered the Franklinia flowering shrub plant oh, yeah. down in the swamp today. And uh, and and I was excited, and then I sent it to uh, Chris. But uh, we still haven't figured out exactly what it is. But you know, I, I, it's this what is plant it called? Is, that was called uh, Franklinia. There was a there was Eliotta, Gordonia, Latimaha, Franklin. There were several plants that, like Bartram and others, discovered in the 1700s that most have gone extinct in the wild, and and yet you can still buy them because they were taken and placed in nurseries and their landscaping. Uh, plants now, but they were extinct in the wild, and I just, you know, well, sure, I ran up on a little, uh, little, uh, little patch of, what is it called again? Franklinia. Way down the last Franklin tree in all of the Osmaha region. Yeah, that's that's what he did. (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah we're gonna call it that and and but i think it's probably you know it's something pretty mundane matt and yeah and common and dang it yeah it was ragweed. it was exciting for, yeah it was ragweed, ragweed. Is, it was from my last that's why you got to have friends like chris and they bust your bubble but they do it so kindly and i appreciate it yeah i'd be lost out there without google lens did you ever use that chris or is that cheating you probably don't even have a phone. You're out there with a... For, for me, it's cheating, you know. Half the time, yeah. my phone stays in the truck when I go in the river swamp. Yeah. Well, that's that's because you're the real deal. Well, I, I remember just... b- before, you know, the internet, when we had the Audubon Field Guide to Trees and, yeah. and uh, you know, wildflowers and birds and fishes and things. But, uh, yeah. I'm about half convinced everything I touch is going to be poison ivy. So I'm always looking. I, you know, see that yeah, little this... thing. This, this will turn that. This one I found today. Probably I'll be broke out all over tomorrow, you know. <laughs> Chris, thank you. It's, uh, we will have you on again. We always say that to certain people, and we, we will have you on again. And let's do try to work towards uh, eventually 
you get to where you can do what you have him on again. Chris needs his own show. Show, yeah. He needs his own show with uh, with his education foundation. Yep, yep. That ecological wiregrass wiregrass ecological project. Yeah, yep. Thanks, Chris. It's been a pleasure, y'all. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for everybody listening. Thanks for all the members of Georgia Folk and Farm Life Facebook. Thanks, Meeks Brothers Cattle Company. God bless you all. And uh, we'll see you on Facebook and hear you on the radio. Yeah, send us your jokes. Send us your jokes through the app. Yeah. Push the, the microphone button at the bottom of the app and... Recorded mash joke the button. Yes, you're in Georgia. The Yankees yeah. push buttons. Georgia's yeah. mash them. Well, you send us a joke, and we'll close out the show, and the winner gets something fun. We, we don't know what yet. Yeah. But uh, autograph picture of Conway. There you go. All right. Good night, Brother Wade. Good night. All the best country. Georgia Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.